Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where we started with 18 and then got into chapter 4, the title of the message this evening is Five Truths for the Ministry. Five Truths for Ministry. And really, this, this passage of Scripture, lo- looking back before um, into chapter 3 through, through continuing on into chapter 4, really, Paul is addressing this. He's addressing ministry. And, you know, you may be thinking, well, why are you talking to me about ministry? Well, pastors are not the only ones that are to carry out ministry. In fact, um, the church, the body of Christ, is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And uh, the pastor, the assistant pastors and staff, um, are far from, from being capable of covering all the needs of ministry. So you, you as the body of Christ, me as the body of Christ, are part of the ministry. You know, whether, whether we feel like we are called to full-time ministry or not, each and every one of us are in the ministry of Jesus Christ if we are saved. So that, that is the focus tonight is, is ministry. And really what, what ministry is, is just service to people, ministering to people for the sake of Jesus Christ and being a minister for Him. And that's, that's what we're going we're gonna to look at. And I, I don't have much of an introduction tonight, so I'm just going to actually jump right into to number one. And that's our purpose. And as I've already been talking about, our purpose is the ministry. Our purpose is the ministry, the ministry of Jesus Christ. We are all called to a ministry. We are all called to a ministry. You know, each and every one of us have been gifted with a spiritual gift, at least one. Each and every one of us have a specific ability, a specific tendency that, that the Lord wants to use in His ministry. And each and every one of us are called to that. And I hope, I hope tonight that you know what your spiritual gift is, what your ministry is. And if, and if not, ask the Lord for that. Seek Him for that. What is it, Lord, that I can do for you? What talent that I, do I have that I can use for your honor and glory? And then whatever that is, get yourself plugged in and use that spiritual gift. Use that gift that you have been given. And the fact is, is if we're not using it, the, the more and more we don't use the spiritual gift that God has given us, the less and less we are going to be able to hone it and be able to use it for His, for his name and for His honor. The, the more difficult it will become the longer we go without practicing and without using our spiritual gift. So whatever, whatever that is tonight, think about that. What is your spiritual gift and, and what part of the ministry should you be involved in that you're, that you're not involved in? And that's very, very important for us, each of us, as Christians to consider. So our purpose is, is the ministry. And I want to I point out a couple of things under, under this, uh, our purpose, the ministry. We are called to a ministry in which we must do two things. And the first thing, A, is behold Christ with an unveiled face. All right, and that was mentioned in chapter 3 and verse 18. And let's, let's read that verse again. All right, but we all, okay, who, who is Paul writing to? He's writing to the Corinthians, the church of the Corinthians. Okay, so we all, he's not writing to the pastor. He's writing to everyone. But we all, with open face, okay, that, that word, that phrase means unveiled. An unveiled face. When we, when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, he has been unveiled before us. We can literally gaze into the face of Christ. All right, we'll talk more about that here in just a moment. With open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord. 
are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So we are to behold Christ with an unveiled face. Well, how can we do that? All right, number one, through the Word of God. If we are going to behold Jesus Christ, we have to behold the Word of God. We have to be in God's Word. John, we know John 1.1 says that He is the Word. All right, so if we're going to behold Christ, we have to behold His Word. We have to count it. We have to, we have to cherish it. We have, it. It has to be the number one priority in our life that we are getting in the book every single day. If, if we're, if we're you know, skipping days, skipping weeks, months without getting into God's Word, then we are not beholding Christ. We are not gazing into His face. As, as a minister of Jesus Christ. The word of God is a glass, as the verse says, a mirror that reveals to us truly how unworthy and powerless we are to do anything in the Lord in and of ourselves. When we gaze upon the Lord, we have no choice when we're getting into God's word to humble ourselves and do nothing in our own strength, but all in his power and in his strength. This is the only way that we can truly minister to people, not in our own power, which, which is absolutely nothing, but in the power of God and his word and Jesus Christ that, that is alive inside of us. That is the only way that we can do it. And look, when we, if we're consistently in God's word every day and we're, we're studying it, we're not just reading a couple of verses and then moving on. When we're in this precious book, every single day, we, we are forced to be humble before God because of how he speaks to us, because of the words that he places upon the tables of our heart. He humbles us. He, he shows us who we, who we really are. You know, one of the, one of the prayers, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the prayers that I have, have prayed so often here lately is, Lord, help me to see myself the way that you see me. And what a humbling thought that is. That when God sees us, he sees everything about us. He sees our downfalls. He sees our uprisings. He sees everything in between. And when we begin to look at ourselves that way, we have, we, we have nowhere to go but to literally be prostrate before the Lord on our face. And that's where it starts. Once we get to the place of humble submission to God through, through gazing into his word, into the word, then we can effectively be changed into the same image from glory to glory, as, as the verse we just read. All right, It is so important that we continuously gaze into the Word, into the face of Christ. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a few, few verses from the book of Psalms. In each of these Psalms, the word fixed is used. All right, And the word fixed in these verses just mean to be firm, stable, established. Un unmovable is another, another way I would put it. Psalm 57 and verse 7 says this, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. You know, because your heart is stable and established and firm in God's word and who he is, does that make you want to praise? Does that make you want to glorify him? I, I, I know it does me. I hope it does you. Psalm 108 and verse 1 says this, O oh God, my heart is fixed. Again, he says, I will sing and give praise even with my glory. 
And you know what? Our glory is nothing. The only glory that we have is because of the glory of the Father. And when we feel any glory, it ought to be reflected back to Him. And that, when, we're, when we're in humble submission, that's what happens. Psalms, Psalm chapter 112 and verse 7 says this, He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Why? Because his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. You know, think about the last time you got really bad news. All right, where, where was your heart? Was it, was it stable? Was it solid? Did it remain soft? Because why? Because you were fixed on the Lord. You know, we can, we can have a lot of reactions when we get bad news or, or when something comes up that, that is really frustrating. But when our heart is fixed on the Lord, we don't get angry, we don't get upset, we don't start thinking about what we're going to do. We just, we just begin to ponder the Lord and say, Lord, I'm still fixed on you no matter what, and I'm going to let you take care of this and, and just get myself out of the way. That's what a fixed heart will do. So how do we behold Christ with an unveiled face? First of all, it's, it's gazing into the Word of God, gazing into the face of God. And then number two, I want you to see when we are fixed on the Lord and on Christ, here's the next thing, we begin to be changed into His image. And that is a, that is a lifelong process, all right, is to be conformed to His image. And, and when, we, when we are conformed into his image and renewed, as, as some verses say here, I'm going to read in just a moment, we become more and more like him. So here's, here's, what, here's what Romans chapter 8 and verse 29 says. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be, not to be saved, but conformed to the image of his son. That's what God's plan is for us is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Are we ever going to achieve that when we're, when we're on this earth? No, we're not. We are because of our flesh and because of our failures. But every single day, we ought to be moving forward in, in our confirmation of Christ, being confirmed in Him, not taking steps backward. Not taking steps backward. And then Colossians chapter 3 and verse 10 says this, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Every day, we, our mind and, and our, our process can be renewed in the Lord Jesus Christ if we allow ourselves to stay fixed upon him. So we get fixed on his word, and then we, are cha- we begin to be conformed and changed into his image. And then the third thing, how, how do we behold Christ with an unveiled face? Number three, the more we become like Christ, the more we're conformed to his image, the more that we reflect him. And when we are reflecting Jesus Christ, now we're talking about ministry. That's ministry. When we are reflecting him, when people look at us and they see Jesus Christ, when they look at us and they see the moving body of Christ, that is ministry. That is what it all boils down to is when we begin to reflect Him. That is when we truly begin to make an eternal impact. So the question is, what type of impact are you making within your sphere of influence? Every, everyone in this room, the Lord has placed in front of you in a consistent manner, whether that be your family, whether that be people that you work with, the people that, you, that, are, that are in your home or your extended family. Every single one of us at school or wherever it, wherever it may be have, have a sphere that the Lord has put around us that we have a chance to impact and influence. 
And we are not going to be impacting and influencing anyone for the cause of Christ if we're not fixed on him and we're not working on conforming to his image and, and we're not reflecting him. That is, a, that is a process that we need to think about every single day if we are going to have an impact um, for the cause of Christ. So we're called to a ministry in which we must behold Christ with an unveiled face. And then the second thing, behold, we are, sorry, we are called to a ministry in which we must faint not. Faint not. And that's, that's from chapter 4 and verse 1. Okay? It says this, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. Okay? So we've talked about, beginning to be talking about what truly the ministry of Jesus Christ is. It says, As we have received mercy, we faint not. In other words, when we're called to ministry, and we all are, we are not called to quit. We are not called to give in. If God has given us a purpose, and He has, then why do we have so many Christians that have thrown in the towel? How, how many of us, that's where we're at tonight. We're not witnessing like we once did. We're not involved in a ministry that God has called us to as much as we used to or, or not at all. We're not reading our Bibles and digging in beyond the surface level of truth that God presents to us. We're not, we're not near where we should be in our prayer life. And, and maybe we've even given up on, on our consistency that once was in so many ways. Look, here's the thing. I, I, talked, I talked this morning about while it is said today, all right, if, if you're in a, in a rut, in a mode where your consistency has completely fallen to the wayside for the Lord, guess what? Today's a new day. This moment is a new moment to renew that commitment to Him. So whatever has fallen by the wayside in terms of your consistency for the Lord Tonight, tonight is the night we can get it straight, that we can begin tomorrow or even tonight being consistent again. There, there are so many things here. And, and the question is, why? Why are we backtracking? What is it that is making us fall back, backwards into you know, to, to the muck and the mire as I talked about this morning? All right, it is, it is, it is such a travesty to see a, a backslidden Christian. I, the, that, that phrase, backslidden Christian, is a phrase that we should never, ever be familiar with. It should be something that, that we don't even think about. But so often we have to, and, and it gets pointed in our direction, am I backslidden? Am I backtracking? Am I not moving forward? Am I no longer consistent? You know, why are we letting the enemy draw us into the depths of his submission when we should be submitting ourselves to the height of liberty that Christ has for us? Why are we quitting? Why are we quitting? Why are we giving in? Listen to what Romans 13, verses 11 and 12, listen to what it says. It says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Now is not the time to quit. You know, we, it's, it's very easy to talk about the condition of our country and, and say how bad it is. You know, I, I can sit here and say, you know, our country's in a mess, and everybody would say amen, okay? And, and it's almost like we as Christians are just kind of wringing our hands, and we're like, oh man, everything's so bad, but we're just going to back off into our own little corner and, and not do anything about it. We as Christians, the church is the only thing that's going to get us out of, of the mess or the condition of, that our country is in. 
Now is not the time to quit, to fall stagnant, to drop back into, into, <clears throat> into whatever it is that we used to struggle with. In 1972, NASA launched the exploratory space probe Pioneer 10. According to Leon Jaroff in Time magazine, the satellite's primary mission was to reach Jupiter, fo photograph the planet and its moons, and beam data to Earth about Jupiter's magnetic field, radiation belts, and atmosphere. Scientists regarded this as a bold plan, for at that time, no Earth satellite had ever gone beyond Mars, and they feared the asteroid belt would destroy the satellite before it could reach its target. But Pioneer 10 accomplished its mission and much, much more. Swinging past the giant planet in November of 1973, Jupiter's immense gravity hurled Pioneer 10 at a higher rate of speed toward the edge of the, whole, of the solar system. At one billion miles from the sun, Pioneer 10 passed Saturn. At some two billion miles, it hurtled past Uranus. Neptune at nearly three billion miles, Pluto at almost four billion miles. And then by 1997, 25 years after its launch, Pioneer 10 was more than 6 billion miles from the sun. And despite that immense distance, Pioneer 10 continued to beam back radio signals to scientists on Earth. Perhaps most remarkable, writes Jaroff, those signals emanate from an 8-watt transmitter, which radiates about as much power as a bedroom nightlight. Again, think about that. Bill literally 6 billion miles away, and takes more than nine hours to reach the Earth. This, this little satellite that could was not qualified to do what it did. Engineers designed Pioneer 10 with a useful life of just three years, but it kept on going and going. By simple longevity, its tiny eight-watt transmitter radio accomplished more than anyone thought possible. So it is when we offer ourselves to the service of the Lord that God can... God can work even through someone with an 8-watt ability. God cannot work, however, through someone who, who quits, who throws in the towel. So I hope you're not at that place tonight, but if you are, let's, let's pick the towel back up and let's get back on track for the Lord. So, so that's number one. Our purpose is, is the ministry. Number two, our purity. If we're going to minister to people, our purity absolutely matters. It absolutely matters. Look at chapter 4 and verse 2. It says, it says this, But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. All right, look at, look at the first part of that verse again. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. You know, so how, how easy it, is it for us to, to lie? How easy for is, is it for us to just walk away from the truth sometimes? Have we renounced it or does it just come natural? Not walking in craftiness, deceitfulness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. You know, it's again, but renounce the hidden things. It is concealed, that which is done in secret. All right, when we, when we, are, when we are doing things hidden, then we are doing things dishonestly, not walking or walking in craftiness. All right, turn with me for just a moment to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, and we'll come, we'll come right back to 2 Corinthians. 
1 John chapter 1, I'm going to begin in verse 3. Here's what the Bible says. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. You know, another thing that is a, is a teller of whether or not we are living in the faith and being consistent for the Lord and ministering as we are called to minister is where's our joy at? Do we have joy? Are we happy? Are, are, we, are, are we joyful in the Lord? Verse 5, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now here, here it is, verses 6 and 7. If we say we have fellowship with him, okay? Let me stop right there. How many of you would say you have fellowship with God? All right, I, I, would, I would say most of us at least want to raise our hand. Yeah, I want to have, at least want to have fellowship with God tonight. All right, so if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. So if we're here tonight, and as I talked about this morning on the outside, it looks like it looks like we're walking in light. But as soon as we walk out those doors and we get in our car and we get home and we get to our job site and we get in school and it, we, we get wherever it is that we're going, then the darkness just comes right away. All right, we, we are in a bad place. We are, we are lying to ourselves and we're lying to God. We're lying to others. It's a very, very tough in very, very dangerous situation to be in. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. Verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. You know, when, when we are walking in the light, the, the spotlight of, of divine glory is on us, so to speak, then we, we have nothing to hide. We don't, we don't have anything to, to worry about. We don't, we don't have to be deceitful. We don't have to, have to walk in darkness. When the light is on us, we, we can just be who we are in Christ. But so many of us would rather step out of that light and walk in that darkness because we've got some things going on that we don't want people to know about. If we would just walk in the light, we wouldn't need to have a secret. There, in fact, there aren't any secrets when we walk in the light. So that's so important to remember. The bottom, the bottom line is, is, is that we are to renounce sin. That's Going back to 2 Corinthians, you can go ahead and turn back there. 2 Corinthians 4.2, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. The word renounce literally means to disown it. To disown sin. Before we accepted Christ as our Savior, we were buried in sin. Owned by sin and the devil. Wrapped in the chains of it. But after being saved, praise the Lord, we're freed from all of that. Given liberty to, to disown sin because we are no longer owned by the devil, but we are owned by the righteous one. And because of his blood, we are righteous in the sight of God. I, that, that thought, it just never ceases to amaze me that when God sees us, he sees his son. We are, man, we are so far away from deserving that. But when he, when he sees us, he sees his son. Praise the Lord for that. And then in, in verse 2, continuing on, it, it, again it says, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. And then it says, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. 
All right, that's an interesting statement. The sense of this here is that we are to undoubtedly avoid a double standard or a testimony of two-facedness. You know, so many of us can, can quote Scripture. So many of us know God's Word. So many of us sitting in this room tonight could come up here and preach just as I am. You know, many, many knowledgeable people in, in this room. But, again, talking about it, quoting it, even preaching it is one thing, but living it when you're on your own is another. When you're by yourself with the Lord, are you living it? There is no greater tragedy than to know what God's Word says, but to live in darkness. And, and remove the power of Christ from us. Outwardly, again, we may, be seemed, we may seem to be walking in the light, but in secret we're dwelling in darkness. We have to understand that sooner or later, our secretive dark ways will be brought to light. God says this in Numbers 32 and verse 23, But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord. And then this phrase that we all know, Be sure your sin will find you out. We may be in darkness right now. We may be hiding some things. But sooner or later, it, it, it'll be found out. It's going to be made. It's going to be brought to light. It is so much better to just live in the light and nothing will ever have to be brought to light because you're living in the light. That is what purity is all about. All right, so if, we're, if we are going to minister, if we are going to be a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be pure. We've got to be walking in light and, and staying out of the darkness. So number three, the next thing is our predicament, our predicament. So we have our purpose, we have our purpose, we have our purity. Third, our predicament, okay? And this is the predicament of every person who is saved. This is the predicament of everyone who is trying to immerse themselves into ministry. And that's battling the enemy. Look at verses 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And that, that's what the enemy wants. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. The God of this world, or the God of this age, the enemy of our God, the accuser of the brethren, as Revelation talks about, Satan, the devil, whatever, whatever name you want to use for him, the goal, his goal, is the direct opposite of whatever God wants. And, and he, the same, in the same way that God wants to accomplish his will in us, the same way Satan wants to accomplish his will in us. It, it, is, a constant, it is a constant fight. As we know every day, we, you don't have to be a Christian long to, to understand that fight between flesh and spirit, the enemy and God. God wants every boy and girl, man and woman to be saved. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 6 says this, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved, and to come, <clears throat> excuse me, unto the knowledge of the, of the sight of our God and Savior, I'm sorry, who will have all men to be saved, and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So if it's the Lord's goal for every man to be saved, Guess what Satan's goal is? Is that no boy or girl, man or woman, would be saved. And if he's going to keep that from happening, he's going to keep it from happening in us. He's going to stop us from sharing the gospel. 
He is working to blind the minds of them which believe not, to keep the lost where they are, lost. If we keep the gospel to ourselves or hidden, then we make it much easier for Satan to accomplish his wicked goal. You know, the question is that we have to consider when, when we're thinking about this is whose, whose side are we on in this, in this battle? Who, who are we fighting for in this battle? Who are we helping, helping to accomplish their plan, God or Satan? Why do you think so many shy away from giving out a gospel tract or inviting people to church or building a relationship with someone so that you can show them the love of Christ and win them for the Lord? Taking clear opportunities to give the gospel. You know, I'll be, I'll be the first to admit that when I have an opportunity to witness to someone, there's something, in, there's something that, that I can feel that's, that's oppressive that says, no, just wait, you don't, you're, you don't want to do that right now. You might offend them. You, they might reject you and, and so forth. That, that's the voice of the enemy that's, that overtakes you in that moment. And he's, he's doing everything he can to get you to stop, to not tell them about the gospel. You know, and I, and, and I often realize that, that the harder Satan fights, the more that I'm willing to just take a step forward and talk to that person about the Lord, the more victory and the more, the more openness and, and the more um, power that God gives for us to do exactly what he wants us to do, and that's to talk to that person about the Lord. So who, who is on your mind tonight that time and time again you have had maybe had opportunities to talk to that person, at least give them a track, invite them to church, but to talk to them about what the Lord has done for you in your life? How many, how many times has it been where you just kind of shied away and said, you know what, no, nope, I'm going to do it next time? You know, every time that we do that, and I'm, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, Every time that we do that, we're, we're, we're battling for Satan instead of the Lord. And we, we've got to be aware of that. We've got, to be, we've, we've got to understand that this is the predicament that we face, but it's a predicament that we can win in the power of the Lord. And, you know, I, I, I say the predicament is battling the enemy, but it's also our flesh that we're battling. We battle our, we battle our flesh every single day. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 says this, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, listen to what it says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And, and we, just read, we just read that the God of this world is Satan. All right, And he, he would love nothing more for us to just live in the flesh every single day. So, number three is our predicament. How are we doing in that fight? How are we doing in that battle against the enemy and against our flesh? All right, number four, our proclamation. And this, I love this, not us, but Christ. Not us, but Christ. Verses five and six says this. For we preach not ourselves, but, Jesus, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Literally slaves, bond servants for Jesus' sake. Verse six, for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness Darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You know, when we, when we take ourselves out of the equation, we will have victory. We can guarantee that. Not, not because we led someone to Christ, but, but really just because we obeyed is what it boils down to. We get many ideas in our heads about, about sharing the gospel, which is what I've been talking about. 
we, we think we don't have the right words, we don't know enough about the Bible, what if they reject or ridicule me, if I don't lead them to the Lord right then and there, I've failed, that, those are all lies of the enemy. Let's remind ourselves of what 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 8 says. All right, let, let's turn back there for just one moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Here's what it says. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? Okay, there's our word, ministers. Paul says, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. You understand that in witnessing, in doing anything for the Lord, it is never ever about us in, in what we can accomplish in and of ourselves. It's all about the Lord. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth, what, are one. They're the same. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You know what? You may, you may not win one person to Christ your entire life, but if you witness to a hundred people, then you've obeyed. If you've given the gospel to a hundred people and not one of those persons you were able to lead to the Lord, you've, you've done it. You've obeyed what God has said and your reward will be just as much as someone who did win a hundred people to the Lord. If we just give it, if we just talk about it, if we just live it, then we're doing exactly what God has commanded us to do. You know, we get the idea that every time Paul or Apollos or, or one of the other apostles engaged someone for the gospel, that they won them over. And that, that's not true. That's not true. They, they, they time and time again just presented the gospel, not necessarily winning that person. Sometimes a seed is planted, sometimes it's watered, but in the end, God gives the increase. We cannot save anyone. It's not about us. Again, verse 5, for we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. And ourselves, your servants for Jesus' sake. That's, that's what it's all about. When we take that attitude in it, the process becomes so much easier. In a way, it takes the pressure off. It's, just not, it's not about us. It's about the Lord. And when they reject, they're rejecting him. They're not rejecting us. And again, one of the easiest ways to talk with someone about Christ is just quite simply to give them your testimony. Tell, tell them what the Lord has done for you. All right, so that's our proclamation. Not us, but Christ. And then the last thing, and we'll be done here, and, and it's a great way to end, is our power. When we are weak, he is strong. Verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God, and again, and not of us. So the first thing, let's, let's identify what is the treasure that is talked about. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure is the light of Christ, the quickening of our spirits, our salvation, being born again. That's our treasure. What greater treasure is there on this earth other than our salvation? That is the greatest treasure that we have. And then it talks about earthen vessels. What are the earthen vessels? Our bodies our frailty, our, our weaknesses, our limitations. And then look again, verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You know why our bodies are so frail? You know why we struggle so much with our health and our, our physical abilities and, and all of these things? So that we stop relying on ourselves 
and rely completely on the Lord. That's why our earthen vessels are so weak. Our, our spirits are quickened, but for now we remain in this old, weakened flesh. This is an allusion to, to a pot that is very fragile, that easily breaks. But the point is, is that it, it's designed to break. Our, our earthen vessels, it, it, the Lord wants us to break. And the best policy is to live broken so that the light that is in us will shine. Let me finish with this. In Judges 7, you don't have to turn there, but just listen to it. I think you're familiar with the story. In Judges 7, the Bible talks about Gideon, who took only 300 men with him to free their land of hundreds of thousands of Midianite invaders. Each man, this is what each man, each of these 300 men had. Each man had a trumpet and a torch and a pitcher, okay, an earthen vessel or a pot. All right, exactly what 2 Corinthians is talking about. So they had a trumpet, a torch, and a pitcher. They carried their torches in the earthen vessels so that the light couldn't be seen from a distance. Then when they got among the Midianites, they broke the earthen vessels, and it wasn't until the earthen vessels broke that the light could shine out. We are to be broken before the Lord so that he can shine instead of us. We are weak and frail, and, and honestly, that's God's purpose, so that we don't lean on, on ourselves, but on him. How do we remain broken so that the power of God shines in our lives? We have to live with selfless, self-last intentions. Listen to what James chapter 4, verses 6 and 10 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. And then verse 10, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You know, that, I, I love, that's one of my favorite verses. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. The picture is, is that, I mentioned it earlier, that we literally get prostrate on our face before the Lord in humility. And the moment that we get there, that we submit ourselves to him in that manner, is the moment that he begins to lift us up. Not for our glory, but for him. He lifts us up closer to his presence. Lifts us up closer to his power. And we can only get there is if our, if our earthen vessels are broken before him so that the light that is in, inside of us can shine forth unto his glory and that we can make an impact for the glory of God. So how, how are we doing tonight? How, how is your involvement in ministry? Is, are, are you actively with, with the right kind of heart and with the right attitude and motive serving the Lord in one of the ministries of the church or on your own in, in, in your regularly daily lives? You know, how, how are we doing this? I, I don't know how the Lord has, is speaking to you tonight, but again, whatever it is, let's do business with the Lord tonight.